When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. The volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on? Don't What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back. Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever, and alongside me is Logan Camden, and we are a day out from what is effectively the beginning of NBA free agency, and big news is already hitting us. James Harden has opted into his player option with Philly, but apparently looking to be moved. We have talk about Kyrie Irving visiting the Phoenix Suns today, so we're going to get into all of the biggest free agency storylines with a preview episode here today, but we have to start with the Harden news, Logan, what do you make of that? You know, I don't know if Philadelphia can get a better asset than Harden right now for their championship window, Mm -hmm. but I also don't think that James Harden is good enough right now to put you over the top and be your concrete number two on a championship winning team. That's the dilemma here, right, is you don't want to lose requisite value for a superstar you never want that to happen and I don't know if there are trades on the table where you're going to receive the value that Harden is as a player but again I don't really think he's worth all this money that he's locking himself into and I don't think he's good enough to put you over the top to win a title like I don't want what you know the two outlier performances we saw in that Boston series cloud everybody's judgment here yes James Harden is a pure enough shooter of the basketball and can create just enough separation using screens and off the dribble to get 40-piece nights. When he's locked in like that, he can still get hot. You know, he has that 45-piece, he has that 42-piece. It's the thing that swings those games. I don't want that to cloud what he did in the rest of that series, though, Carson. The rest of that series, he subbed 14 points per game on 25% from the field. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is there's a happy medium there, but you're not – Dominant scoring takeover Harden is gone. He can still be a good playmaker, but that burst is gone. He just doesn't concretely get downhill as much anymore. So I just don't think he's as much of a winning asset. I think he could be a three somewhere maybe. And the prospective places that you hear, Houston, I don't really understand that one. It doesn't really fit the timeline. I don't like taking the ball out of these young guys' hands. I think, honestly, that could hurt the young culture that they're trying to establish there more. I've heard the New York Knicks. I would rather have the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands, Carson. I don't know about Mm -hmm. you. And then the Clippers, that to me doesn't really make as much sense either because I think the Clippers are a team that should be selling right now instead of buying. I think they should look for teams to move off of um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I think Harden uh, being brought in is – it doesn't make them a championship contender, and I don't really trust any of the other guys to stay healthy enough for a complete playoff run. So – I would be out on James Harden, Carson. I don't really understand why there's a market for him as heavy as there is. I'm not saying that Harden is a complete bum, but I just think at this contract 
and what you would have to give up to get Harden, I just don't really think it's worth it. I don't think that James Harden puts you over the top and makes you a genuine championship contender. He's just, he's lost the step, man. Well, I just don't think the expectation is that James Harden is actually going to cost all that much because you look at a team like the Clippers, unless it does turn into some sort of three-team deal, as some people have speculated about, where they send PG to the Knicks and the Sixers get assets mostly from New York and then LA gets Harden, a straight-up package that the Clippers could put together is probably something like Norman Powell and Marcus Morris. They don't have a first-rounder through 2026, so you're talking about first-rounder way down the line, and I don't even think it's going to take multiple because I don't think the league is very high on James Harden right now. And from Philly's perspective here, the value proposition for a near 34-year-old James Harden, so prone to regression on the playoff stage due to some of his limitations as we saw this year, a big multi-year deal would not have made sense. But absolutely, they should still be trying to get something from this asset, and so Harden opting in is good for them there. And Harden did have real value in Philly this year. This was an all-NBA kind of guy. This was among the more prolific playmakers in the league, led the league in assists. And I think the single most important thing that he did for Philly this year was unlock Joel Embiid out of pick and roll, make him by far the leading pick and roll scorer in the league in terms of rollers, whereas previously we had never really seen anybody able to dial into that part of his game because he never had that capable half-court ball handler, creator, playmaker. And Harden deserves credit for that and for ultimately elevating this team offense because of his playmaking value and what he's capable of doing as a scorer, attacking mismatches with the pull-up shooting and whatnot. But ultimately, this is a guy who in the playoffs, 16% of his shots came at the rim and he made 38% of them. And he just had so many performances where he was absent as a scorer, not to mention that this entire time he's a negative defensively. It's just, as you mentioned, the lack of burst, the lack of ability to impose himself in that painted area like he used to be. And sure, he had a good run from the mid-range, but he just becomes too dependent on that perimeter shot making and is not consistently great enough there. So he's not a top 20 kind of guy, in my opinion, I do not think that with his limitations and with Joel Embiid's current inability to remain healthy through extended playoff runs and establish himself as a true top five offensive player in a playoff setting just with the deterioration of his jump shot and his playmaking in those settings, Philly is not a title contender with James Harden. But as you said, they're not going to acquire a piece immediately that is going to make them a title contender. You're probably not going to upgrade in pure basketball talent from James Harden. And it is going to be interesting because when you think about Daryl Morey's traditional approach to these trades in terms of asking price, in terms of patience, what we saw with him turning Ben Simmons into James Harden, the reports we just heard very recently about what Tobias Harris was going to cost, like just laughably high. He is stubborn with this stuff. And so we're hearing all this talk about the Clippers and the Knicks. I don't know if it's going to happen in that sort of immediate timeline or if this is something that gets dragged out a bit more. I do think in terms of rumored targets, the Clippers make the most sense fit-wise because they are closer to true title contention if they can stay healthy, in my opinion. And we have talked previously about the value that a lead playmaker a traditional volume pick-and-roll ball handler who can set up others would have in a place like LA. And what's ideal about this is that Harden doesn't have to carry the sort of scoring load where he is consistently the number two option. He would always be the number three option. And although Philly had really quality third and fourth options with Maxie and Harris, it's just different if you have available Kawhi and PG. You are really lightening the burden on James Harden there, but it's just not an ideal return for Philly. I mentioned that package. If it's just a couple of mid-sized contracts, rotation kind of guys, yeah, you get shooting from a Marcus Morris 
some size. I wouldn't really consider him a significant plus role player at this point. Norman Powell sure is going to bring you some of that dynamic pull-up jump shooting and can bring a real scoring part uh, spark probably off the bench in Philly. I don't really view that as a need, and then they're not going to get that significant draft capital. So although I think that works for LA, I don't think it works as well for Philly. What's your take in more detail on that specific fit? I completely agree. I think that with Maury's track record, look, man, if James Harden has already opted into this contract, sorry, dude, Maury's got him. It's over, James. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm Daryl, I am waiting through the season. I am waiting through preseason. Like, I am waiting through everything leading up until I get the offer that I want because some team is going to come biting with the right package. It's going to happen. I would be patient with this. You don't want to lose value on an asset, especially when you have him under contract. The thing about the Clippers thing that scares me. So one, I am completely out on the Los Angeles Clippers moving forward. I just want to make that straight. Mm -hmm. I don't trust Paul George and Kawhi Leonard enough to stay healthy and to be ready come playoff time, regardless of who they acquire. I'm out on them. I've just seen it too many times. I think that LA wants to run it back one more time with this group, see if they can finally be fully healthy uh, come playoff time, I'm out on that. And so what scares me about that move for L.A., uh, I whatever, give up whatever assets you want if Philly will agree to that because you're getting pennies on the dollar for a guy like James Harden if mm -hmm. all you're giving up is Powell and Morris. The thing that scares me about that is with this new stadium, when they move into that, if you blow this, right, and this doesn't go right, you either have three really injury-prone old superstars going to this new place where you're going to be a losing team, or the worst side of this is you end up losing all three of these guys at less value than you gave up to acquire them. You have no assets or capital for the future, and you're basically building around nothing with no direction in a brand new stadium that you can't fill up because you have no star talent. Like, I think that L.A., should lean into the rebuild and see what they can get right now for Kawhi Leonard, for Paul George on hired gun deals, you know, mm -hmm. one-year, two-year contracts where they can ship them out to another team, be hired assassins like Kawhi was that first time in Toronto. Ship them out, see what you can get back, and just gear up for this next timeline because I think that you are teetering on having nothing moving forward by going in on this championship core one more time. Look, if it's Powell and Morris, I think I'm firing on that, and I'm not really thinking about it, and I'll go one more time in on this because that's just insane value for a guy like James Harden. Even though I don't think he's what he was, he's, that's still really good value for a guy like Harden. But I don't know, man. It's a little much for me to bank on, dude, for the yeah. health of those two guys, for Harden performing well in the uh, in the postseason. Like, I just wouldn't bank on it, man. And... Uh, yeah, I guess I would do it if, if Philly would agree to, to, to giving up James Harden for a guy like that or for those two assets. But I don't know, man. I think I think LA is running the risk of, of having big ramifications if they go in on this on this championship core one more time. I agree. They are really stuck between a rock and a hard place, though, because they've already given up their draft capital for the next few years, as we talked about. And the upside of bringing in James Harden is that you are acquiring a top 25 kind of player and you don't have to give up more assets really that matter that would continue to dig you deeper into that hole so if they do want to make one last attempt at a reload I think Harden helps them I don't think it makes them title front runners I still think their two-way ceiling is a concern this team regressed defensively last year PG and Kawhi is not quite the level of a defensive wing tandem that it used to be their point of attack defense has regressed and we saw them not at full strength but just get absolutely shredded by Phoenix they're smaller their supporting wing pieces Marcus Morris Nick Batum those guys have regressed so they're not able to hang as much playing those small ball lineups as they used to be so you consider that you consider the availability issues you consider my issues with Harden as a playoff performer they wouldn't be at the top of that conversation, but they would still be having a puncher's chance, and I do think it would make them better for next year. The Knicks fit is a, a stranger one to me, but 
what New York does have, Logan, is the more intriguing package because they have draft assets out the wazoo. They have all their firsts and they have four extra first round picks over the next two years. They also have mid-level contracts that you could easily package together if it's like Fournier, who obviously means nothing to them. Hartenstein, maybe you throw an Obi Toppin. You could obviously include RJ in this, but you really don't need to. And then picks, you don't necessarily even have to give up your own. Like, that works. But what I don't like about this is that Brunson and Julius Randle are both guys who very much already play at their own pace and are going to dictate the offense when they're on the floor. Like, we have seen Brunson acquiesce previously, but they are not the most malleable complimentary kind of guys and James Harden obviously is the same way like he can shift between okay I'm gonna have more of a score first mentality or a playmaking first but fundamentally stylistically he's gonna have the ball in his hands a ton he's gonna run some of the highest volume pick and roll in the league so all those guys together considering Harden's playoff shortcomings Randall's playoff shortcomings because of his wild inconsistency as a jump shooter, team's ability to force him into mistakes as a playmaker, loading up on him, introducing another defensive liability with James Harden. It's not the prettiest, most intuitive fit. Really what they need to me is more quality spot up shooting from the wings because I think that is what did them in. It was just that Miami was able to load up so aggressively in the paint and throw so much attention at Brunson through a combination of traps and aggressive help, and they just didn't have the supporting creators or the supporting shot makers to punish that, and Randall is also culpable for that. Of course, Harden is injecting more high-level offensive skill. He is another creator. He is not a particularly valuable off-ball player. He's not going to embrace that role, but he can certainly knock down catch-and-shoot threes efficiently. So maybe just having another guy who is going to take some of that attention away from Brunson, keep defenses more honest, that could raise their ceiling, but not to a sort of title conversation, in my opinion, either. I'm in on the Knicks deal now, Carson. I want you to think about this. Okay, you go Fournier, okay. you go Toppin for Harden, something like that. You throw in some draft capital. Bro, we could finally do the all-lefty lineup. It would be I so I knew gnarly. that was going to be your dude, angle. Brunson, I Harden, knew it. RJ, Randall, Robinson. It would be so weird, but I'm kind of I'm kind of with that. And, by the way, I don't know if I would describe it as a janky combination of lefties, but I think Randall and Brunson sort of fall into that, right? Just when you consider how they maneuver, the sort of shots that Randall is prone to getting to, the mid-range stuff. I don't know. It would be really a one-of-a-kind lineup. I actually don't hate the Knicks deal as much. I'm wondering what value you would have to get back at Philadelphia. Because you're right, you can make the money work. The Fournier contract actually gives you some maneuverability so you're not giving up crazy assets like if your Philly Carson does I, I think you have to give up something and honestly I think the Knicks biggest issue is just having Julius Randle on the roster I think once they move mm-hmm. off of Julius Randle I expect like way more offensive harmony a little more fluidity in the offense but I don't really think Randle gets it done for Philly like I don't think they would do that straight up with Fournier like Randle's production matches that but I think that I just think collectively we're smarter as a as a basketball community to know that Randall's numbers don't really equal what he actually does on the floor. So I think the Knicks just need to move off of Julius Randall, but I don't know, man. Does like RJ, Obi, and Fournier do it for you if you're Philadelphia? Like what what assets are we looking at if you're the Knicks uh, to get this done? I don't think you need to include RJ. I think you can just include picks. That's fair. I mean. Really? I don't know, man. I think you need, like, one player. Like, I don't know, man. Dude. And I think... What is... Like, I understand that Maury is going to overplay his hand here, but what is Philly's actual leverage? Like, they have him under control for one year, and then he walks for nothing. Yeah. He's 34. He just had a humiliating overall final series in the playoffs. 
He has a reputation clearly as being not the easiest to deal with emotionally. Like this is now his third trade request in the last three years. I just don't see him as that enticing of an asset to where you can say, hey, give us your 23-year-old who just had a really good playoff run. Yeah, I mean, I don't think RJ is the move, but I think like a Obi Toppin or something helps Philadelphia and sure. like isn't that big of an asset in the Knicks' eyes yeah. to where you could get this done. Well, I'm just saying I want one player or some rotation guy along with some picks. I don't want it to just be a straight-up salary dump and we trade draft picks, but... I don't really know if that yeah. makes the Knicks all that better too, dude, because I just think it's going to be a little... Like, it makes them better, obviously, like you said, but I think it's still going to be congested. I still think it's a little janky with Harden and Randall on the floor. All these ball-dominant guys that don't bring a whole lot of spot-up value. And like you said, defensively, I don't know if I love the ceiling. It definitely makes the Knicks better. It doesn't make them, like, legitimate contenders, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I The way I'm leaning right now, though, is I probably feel like this this drags out a little more. I, I feel like we're not... I don't think the the, the tunnel mm-hmm. is closing here, man. I think this probably drags out into the regular season or close to a little bit. There is a couple more potential outcomes here that I do want to shout out because I have seen some people, and maybe it's mostly optimistic Knicks fans, speculating about a three-team deal, as I mentioned earlier, that would send Harden to the Clippers and PG to the Knicks. That, to me, doesn't make sense from the Clippers' perspective because the appeal of moving off of PG, I would think, is trying to actually move towards a rebuild. Like, I understand that his availability concerns are more significant than Harden's, but he is just better. And swapping out him for Harden, to me, does not make you a title contender. I think that would be a dream come true for the Knicks. Like, I cannot think of a better star fit for them than PG when you talk about needing that spot-up shooting, a guy who can play on or off the ball, a guy who can defend at a high level, play make well. That would immediately make them title contenders, in my opinion. I just don't know that it's all that likely. I do want to run this by you. If the Heat can't get Dame, which seems very much up in the air at this point, does Harden make sense for them? Because, again, it's not going to be a super high asking price. Well, I mean, you the, the way the money could work, too, is you throw Lowry in there with a, with a pick, maybe like a decent little asset. I actually, I don't know, it's my personal bias against James Harden is what's preventing me from saying yes on most of these. Like, I like Harden. In that spot, they need another offensive creator, especially if you're keeping Tyler Hero. You know what, man? I I actually like that a little bit, Carson. I think that could work. And I think if you could somehow get the Sixers to agree on that Lowry swap, you throw in a pick or two, I do think that makes sense, especially because Miami's timeline is right now. You need to go in on these next, you know, two, three seasons because, you know, Jimmy and Bam are getting up there in age, especially Jimmy. Like, I think they need to pull the trigger on something this offseason if – if Portland does not want to part ways with Dame, I think that's probably the best way, right? I mean, Harden is still arguably the mm-hmm. highest profile asset on the market right now, save a, a Kyrie, a, a Lillard. But again, if if Portland doesn't want to part ways with him, I think that makes sense, Carson. I think Miami has to at least explore something like that because they're not... I'm sorry, Miami's just not winning the title next season with their current roster construction. They need one mm-hmm. more piece. And I think, again, I don't love Harden. It wouldn't make Miami the favorite for me. They have to do something, and that at least gets them close enough to, to, you know, it gets them on the fringe. I like that deal. What do you think? I think that that would be great. I mean, if it was Lowry and a couple picks, like, good God, no question about it. I would definitely expect Philly to ask for Hero, but if it's Hero and no picks, I do think that's worth considering because I don't think that Tyler Hero is ever going to be as good as James Harden still is right now. And bottom line to me, the most important thing for Miami is this window they have with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo having made two finals in the last four years. And they very clearly still need more high-level offensive creation to me. This was the number 25 offense in the regular season, and then they obviously had that awesome shooting stretch in the playoffs but 
their offense really did start to struggle against a fully engaged Boston defensively and a fully engaged Denver. They just have athletic limitations, rim pressure limitations, offensive rating that would be 13th in the playoff field overall in their last nine games, which is after they went up 3-0 on Boston. So I totally agree with you. They need to improve their talent level, and I don't think that just getting Hero back is enough. So of all these teams, I think Miami actually needs Harden the most, would benefit the most from his skill set, and that's not to say that it's perfect. It's obviously not as good as Dame, but it's a significant upgrade in terms of offensive skill, and they do have the contracts and the assets to make it happen. So that would be my favorite option out of all of these. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You mentioned Kyrie is one of the more intriguing assets on the market. What do you see happening with him? You know, his market uh, seems really limited, Carson. Uh, I'm hearing, you know, either back to Dallas, uh, he met with the Suns, and, of course, the Lakers rumors are eternal because (laughs) Lakers fans are convinced they're going to get every free agent. And um, obviously the LeBron connection too, right? I think he's going to go back to Dallas. I think that's a no-brainer move. I think Dallas gave up a little too much to get him back. Uh, I also have heard, though, that uh, Dallas is potentially maybe interested in moving uh, for DeAndre Ayton. I don't really think that trade includes Kyrie Irving. I heard, like, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Mm -hmm. somebody else. Uh, If that's on the table, maybe. I think I don't really think it helps the Suns. I'd probably rather keep Ayton than uh, getting some other shooters and wings guys. I think Kyrie's probably going to go back to the Mavericks. I just think they gave up way too much to just let him walk. But I don't know, man. You never know with Kyrie, dude. His he kind of seems like he goes with the wind wherever, which whichever way the wind blows. Kyrie's kind of leaning that way today. Still a great scorer, and yeah, I just don't think Dallas can afford losing him straight up for nothing after giving up, you know, their best defender and a ton of assets to go out and acquire him. Mm-hmm. But the meeting with the Suns is intriguing, and the way to make that money work is DeAndre Ayton. Like I said, the Mavericks are interested in Ayton, and that's that would be one of the freakiest teams of all time. D-Book, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. We play no defense. We just get buckets every possession. So if the Suns deal is to go through, I think it's DeAndre Ayton for Kyrie Irving, some kind of package like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't really think L.A. is on the table with their cap situation, but... If I'm Dallas, I am doing everything in my power to retain Kyrie or to deal him and get requisite value back because you just have to. Uh, My money would be on him returning to Dallas, though. 
I think that that still has to be the heavily favored outcome because Dallas needs him. As you said, they compromised totally their defensive front court, sending away Dorian Finney-Smith, and now they have done a good job within the scope of one offseason to rebuild that, bringing in Olivier Maxence Prosper, the Derek Lively pick you and I didn't love, but is going to be at least a capable rotational center with a high defensive ceiling, a massive target offensively, athletic. So an upgrade from what they have had. And Rashawn Holmes is not going to be a strong option defensively, but offensively will be a legitimate rotational big as well. Really good pick and roll partner, good athlete, skilled with the floater game and whatnot. And if Kyrie goes, now you are just left with a gaping hole in this need that you were trying to fill, which ironically you already had filled with Jalen Brunson, but you didn't realize it, which is that dynamic second creator who can, with Luka, elevate you to legitimate contending status. So I don't think they've done enough in the front court to view them as contenders right now, just given how far away they were last year, how bad they were defensively. But if you lose Kyrie, it was all for naught, and you would be painfully far away. And now you're having some scary conversations with Luka, man, because you invested assets in a guy who just walked on you after, obviously, the KP thing didn't pan out. After you let Jalen Brunson walk and he immediately blossomed, you would just look incompetent. You have made this commitment, and I think you have to do whatever you can to stick with it. But Kyrie does have some leverage here because his market isn't high. But at the same time, Dallas needs him so badly that they're not going to want to commit to him long term. They're not going to want to do a four-year deal with Kyrie, nor should they. But he may be able to negotiate them up a bit from their ideal outcome just because they really can't afford to lose him. The Suns thing, I just can't really imagine. We've never seen a basketball team built like that ever. It would be insanely intriguing, but they would be so small, so incapable defensively, maybe the most skilled team offensively ever, but not complementary skill sets. Like a lot of guys who want to do their work from the mid-range, all of them being pull-up jump shooters first and foremost. Yes, a few good off-ball players, but that's not where any of their primary value are. It's just like, are we really putting together like a team for the park here? Just dudes who can get buckets? It's too strange. I can't imagine that it's really going to happen, especially with just the reporting. Woj saying as recently as yesterday that Kyrie to Dallas was a pretty done deal. Not that I put much stock in Kyrie's feelings from one minute to the next, but I do think he ends up back in Dallas. We talked about Dame earlier. What do you think happens with him? Obviously not a free agent, but just constantly a topic of conversation given Portland's organizational status. What are you expecting at this point? Yeah, uh, Blazers general manager Joe Cronin three days ago. I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. Uh, Yeah, they're... Chasing their tail, Carson. That's what I said. Um, I, I just think you're you're trying to get this brass ring that, that doesn't even exist, man. It's just not there. Uh, I, I look around the league and I think about guys that they could tangibly add to this team that would make them legitimate contenders, right? Uh, Draymond Green, I think, is a massive asset in terms of how he could play off of Damian Lillard, uh, what he adds defensively because Portland so desperately needs it. But... It's like, man, dude, Draymond Green is one guy. He's a really great guy, but there's just not enough assets I see on the market or trades that they could make right now that mm-hmm. legitimize them as contenders in a really tough West, right? I know that we keep talking about uh, last season. We were all, the West is wide open. That was because every team was so damn competitive, right? Even if they got a Draymond, took him from Golden State. I probably prefer Golden State. I probably prefer Phoenix. I probably prefer Denver. I probably prefer the Lakers, mm-hmm. right? I I might prefer Oklahoma City, man. Like, they've got a lot of young, intriguing assets. They're going to get better, man. I, I don't know, dude. Dame is just one guy, and I know it's hard, but I just think they have to bite the bullet, Carson. If you want yeah. my... 
I don't think Portland's going to do it, dude. I think they're going to drag this thing out painstakingly long. And it just seems like, I don't know. I don't know if this is smoke, but every single time they ask Portland about this, it's the same answer. We're going to build a contender around Dame. And it's like, I'm just going to believe you guys. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, So my guess is they go in with this really weird half-and-half core where you have some guys that are win-now, older, like the Jeremy Grants of the world, and then you've got half of this young core, and I think they're just going to straddle the fence enough to where they are really, really mediocre, and they don't make the playoffs. Like, I think this is probably a 30-35 to win team next season if they keep Dame, and I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think they trade Dame. I think that's what they should do. You get the best value right now. You don't want to wait too long like we saw with this Bradley Beal deal. But a lot can change in one offseason, in one full season. So I think they should trade Dame. I just don't think it's going to happen, Carson. Uh, How do you feel? Well, I think if they do take that approach, Dame is going to demand out. And I understand that there's been so much talk from him publicly about how rings aren't everything and loyalty is extremely important and he's happy and whatnot, but we are starting to hear the rumblings, like having these meetings about direction and him talking, even if it's just answering a question on a podcast where he's prompted about locations that were he to leave, oh, he would like to play there. I just don't know how much longer a guy who is this damn good at basketball yet also only has so many more years of his prime can go with a team that is straddling two timelines. And frankly, their younger timeline is now clearly more promising than their current timeline. Like they can scrap to be 500 right now. And that's great. But Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons is an awesome young core. Chris Murray. I thought that they nailed the 23rd pick bringing him in. So I just think they need a reality check overall, as does Dame. I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason. If it does, it remains about Miami to me. The hero and a couple picks and a little bit of cap filler to just make the money works. I just think that that works too well for both teams. They get to bring back picks and an actual young asset, even if they end up just flipping hero because maybe they see a redundancy in the backcourt. And Miami adds exactly the kind of player that they need to propel themselves into that top tier of contention. That is the market to me. I am sure that Philly would love to have Dame. They just don't have the package that they can put together. It's going to be Miami or it's going to be he's back in Portland. Yeah, and I think that trade really works for both sides too, man. Even if you slot Hero off the bench as the sixth man or something like that, or like you said, if it's redundancies, He's going to get better, and he's still super young, so you can flip him for more value in the future. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer move. I think that's what Portland should do. Okay, let's talk about another team out west that has a couple of big moves potentially on the horizon. The Lakers looking at the impending free agency of Austin Reeves, but also now strongly rumored to be the frontrunner for Bruce Brown, who they can offer the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. That's $12.4 million, whereas Denver, who he obviously just won the title with, can only offer him $7.8 million. What's your take on that and this Lakers free agency overall? How much can they improve? I think they can improve a lot. Um, LA's always got the star power. And again, man, when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, it's always going to be easy to say hey guys why don't y'all come up this way and come play with us honestly Carson on where Bruce Brown stands you could tell me that Bruce Brown was going to sign with any NBA team and I'd go oh yeah man that's that's a good signing I I just really (laughs) think that I just really think Bruce Brown is one of the most versatile players in basketball and could really fit anywhere if you want him to start at the one two or the three if you want him to come off the bench as the one two or the three Uh, he's a really good point of attack defender He's a dog. He's a hustler. He's one of the best players uh, in transition in all of basketball. Uh, He's a good playmaker. He's a good cutter. He's a good off-ball shooter, like a serviceable off-ball shooter. But Bruce Brown just does a little bit of everything. So you could honestly tell me he could go anywhere. I mean, I think it's a home run, dude. You would have Reeves as your one. Um, You could choose to start Bruce Brown. You could bring him off your bench. Uh, I just think he ticks so many boxes in versatility. He's... Say it with me, Carson. He's a classic Swiss, Swiss Army, Army knife. knife. It's what Bruce Brown does. So I really think you could 
you could tell me Bruce Brown's going to go anywhere. I think it'd be a great signing uh, for LA if they got it. And again, at 12 mil, I don't know, man. I think that's supreme value for Bruce Brown. I, I would go up to probably 15 for a guy like Bruce Brown. So I think anything below that line is a real value deal mm -hmm. uh, for a guy that does a little bit of everything, a junkyard dog on the court. Uh, so I would like that. Uh, obviously, I'd like to see him go back to Denver, though, and run it back. But the money's a real difference maker, man. That's a lot of money to pass up on when, you know, if he locks into this uh, into this deal, Brown's not going to be a free agent for another three to four years. So I understand him needing to maximize the amount of money he's going to get this offseason. He really is an awesome fit in Denver. I thought it was so important just providing some ball handling for the bench units, but also so brilliant as a guy pushing in transition. Played so well off of Nikola Jokic just with his cerebral cutting and an incredibly versatile offensive piece. We have literally seen him effectively play center in Brooklyn and then be a bench point guard in Denver and thrive in both roles and he's a dog defensively he's a good playmaker he's going to compete on the glass to me certainly priority number one for LA has to be retaining Reeves because I think if you look at where they fell short this year it was due to a number of factors right AD's disappointing offensive production against Denver and LeBron's inability to consistently reach that top, top gear. But I thought the fact that their supporting perimeter creation from the backcourt, really because of D'Lo, let them down. And I thought their spot-up shooting was not consistently good enough in this run. Reeves is a great spot-up shooter. He's also a great pick-and-roll ball handler and playmaker and competitor. He's just a damn good all-around basketball player. Brown, I think, is exactly the kind of guy that any champion needs and is going to consistently compete on both ends of the floor is going to do the little things is going to have that value in transition even if he's not a traditionally great half court creator he does have his floater game out of the pick and roll isn't the best spot up shooter but is willing to take them and is capable there so there's probably not a better guy who you could get with the mid-level exception and if they do bring him in and bring Reeves back I like their draft. I still think that AD and LeBron are top 12 players. This, to me, would not put them past Denver because I think that the synergy, the ease offensively with Denver, we really can't overstate. Like, Bruce Brown or not, to me, they're the best offense in the league next year. And they were able to reach a very high level defensively. Bruce was part of that, but removing him isn't going to just single-handedly take them out of those conversations. But it definitely gets the Lakers closer. And I think in terms of winning basketball, there's no question that you would rather have a Bruce Brown than a D'Angelo Russell or any of the backcourt pieces outside of Reeves who the Lakers did have this past year. So that would definitely be a very big get for them. Speaking of Lakers... Former Laker Kyle Kuzma is in a bit of an underwhelming free agency class, one of the bigger fish on the market, and is now being pretty strongly rumored to the Sacramento Kings, Logan. What's your take on that? Where do you think Kuz ends up? Don't do not do that, man. Don't do that. I do not want Kyle Kuzma, man. Like, shout out Kuz mm. for what he was doing in D.C., man. I think he's improved as a defender. I think... He's still really inefficient. Um, he's putting up 21 points a night on 54% true shooting last season. Like, Kuz is a, he's a better defender than he was. He's a good rebounder, but I just think of the current construction of the Kings roster, right? Uh, you have two guys who have the ball in their hands the majority of the time. That's Domas, that's Fox, your next best creators. Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, guys who are going to have the ball in their hands. Kuzma's going to be spot up. He's going to be attacking closeout, stuff like that. And so I don't really know if he offers more versatility than Harrison Barnes. If we're going to go out and we're going to get another wing prospect, uh, I want a guy with a lot more defensive upside or who's just, you know, a straight 3 and D kind of guy. And the projected contract for Kuzma, you talk about the weak free agency class. That's why this is a big red flag for me. This is not a guy I'm paying more than $20 million. His projected contract is like 30 mil. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. We're smarter than that. I think any GM who gives Kyle Kuzma a $30 million contract is just making a flat-out mistake. 
that's just dumb. I just don't think Kyle Kuzma's worth that kind of money. So I don't know where Kuzma ends up. I don't really understand the market for him. Like, Kuzma's cool. I just don't really know if he's that much of a winning asset. You know, if he's a... He's cool, man. He's mid. I'm just not paying him more than $20 million, man. I think $30 million is a massive, massive overpay for a guy like Kyle Kuzma. And specific to the Kings, I just don't think he's more versatile than Harrison Barnes. He's better for sure, but I'm just not paying that kind of money, man. I Do you like the fit in Sacramento? I, I, I'm not a big fan. I mostly do like it, actually, because I think that... He and Barnes have some similarities in their value offensively. When you think about these bigger forwards who can attack mismatches, who can get themselves a bucket. And really, Harrison Barnes' only advantage as a basketball player to me over Kuz is that he is a better pure shooter, is a better spot-up guy. That is a significant advantage when Kuz was 33% from deep this year. Barnes has consistently been up in the high 30s. Kuz has never really been there, but everything else, I think that Kuzma has significantly progressed as a rebounder, as a playmaker, and I think would be a real upgrade defensively, adds more size, more athletic than Barnes at this point, in my opinion, so I do think he would make them better, the question is what you said. Is he going to be worth the dollar figure that he will likely demand for a Kings team that actually does have some cap cleared now if they let Barnes go and with the Rashawn Holmes trade that they made? But do you just want the Kings to sit around and be complacent? Like run it back from last year? Because obviously that team, very good, but not going to be pushing for contention. Not that Kuz gets them over that hump. He does make them a bit better. Maybe it's the wrong resource to invest in, though, if you're going to give him, you know, four years, $130 million, and he's not pushing you over that hump in a meaningful way. No, I don't ever like being complacent and the time-old testament for free agency in the offseason. If you're not getting better, you're effectively getting worse because everyone surrounds you. Uh, surrounding you is improving uh I mean you gotta go out and you gotta get somebody man I just I'll put it this way if Kuzma would accept a deal somewhere between 20 to 25 mil a year I would pull the trigger because I still think he's going to be good enough to where you can move off of that contract if it doesn't work if he's kind of redundant if it's just not leading to winning basketball if he's super inefficient and can't knock down jump shots I don't think they did enough in the draft like I like Colby Jones uh, I like Slauson. I like the things that they did in the draft, but the wing spot is still a big one that needs to be filled. Yeah. If Kuzma would accept 20 to 25, I'd do it. I don't think it puts him over the top. I don't even know if the Kings are a team that get out of the first round again uh, with that roster, but he would be an improvement over Barnes. And I mean, if they don't get anybody, man, I mean, it's a, it's just an L. I just, I don't know, man. I, I think overpaying is always the wrong move in free agency. And so I think to give Kuz $30 million would be a colossal mistake because then you're handcuffed to a contract. You can't make any moves uh, in the next year's offseason when you could have maneuverability, which is very important in today's NBA. So if the price is right, I would take Kuzma. Uh, if it's 30, if that's the point, would you do it if you're the Kings, Carson? I honestly think I would which scares me just a bit because Kuzma does need to prove himself in a winning context, in an efficient complementary role. But I've just been really impressed by his all-around skill progression on both ends of the floor. And I think the Kings were in need of a couple more multi-dimensional high-impact guys. Like Barnes just faded away, man. Because guess what? He wasn't knocking down his spot-up looks in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, he's an inefficient 10-point-per-game scorer. Kuz is never going to regress to there. But Kuz will have more of a defensive impact, more of an impact on the glass, more of a playmaking impact, more ways to get his buckets. And maybe he doesn't like fit in perfectly. That is a concern. But I think he is significantly better than a guy like Harrison Barnes. And if you have the opportunity to just straight up add a talent like that in free agency, I think more often than not, it's worth 
taking a stab at it. But the Kings are in a tricky spot because we might look back at this and say, well, this didn't make them a true contender, but they didn't have that ceiling to unlock with one free agency move no matter what. You know, they still need to considerably improve on the defensive end of the floor. They still need to have Domas reach a different level of playoff impact and consistently. We saw how he was exploited due to his lack of jump shooting and due to his lack of a really refined, skilled post game. So I think you're right. I think the wings are the biggest area that they need to improve clearly. I think Kuzma is a clear improvement there. And so I do like that overall. Let's talk about one of the stranger teams in terms of their approach to free agency that we're hearing. The Houston Rockets, Logan, it looks like are gearing up to bring in Fred Van Vliet for two years, 80 million plus. Dylan Brooks also is apparently going to be headed to Houston, but that's the big one. That kind of money for FVV. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I don't really understand it if I'm being honest, Carson. One, uh, I think it's an overpay. I, I don't think Fred mm-hmm. Van Vliet is worth that kind of money at this point in his career. I, I think he's uh, somewhere between 25 to $30 million. Um, Freddie's a hustler. Uh, he's a grinder. He's a good defender. Uh, always has been. But, you know, he's not the best finisher at the rim. Uh, I, there's a lack of burst there and, you know, straight-up creation that I think he's lost. And he was pretty inefficient last season. Like, a lot of his shots came from behind the arc, and he had like a – a really poor year uh, from three-point land. And again, man, there's always that, I don't want to predict it, there's always that cliff with guards, man. I don't know when it's going to come, but Freddie's 29, he's going to be turning 30 soon, and I just wonder when when that cliff comes, when he takes that full downturn. Uh, another one of my big concerns outside of skill drop-off, uh, you know, more inefficient, uh, less of a good finisher at the rim. I'm concerned about uh, his injury history. He's missed significant time over these past couple years and then I also wonder does he fit this timeline right I understand the one thing that I think Houston really does need to address in this offseason is to get some culture guys Uh, yeah you know like a a Udonis Haslam for example for the Miami Heat right he doesn't play but he's going to get the rookies in this shape he's an extra coach out there he's a guy that just understands the game and can help set the tone in the locker room I think Houston desperately needs those guys Uh, so Freddie would do that. He's a veteran presence. He's won a title, but I don't know, man. Do you really want him to like take the rock out of a guy like Amen Thompson's hands? Like, I mm-hmm. want to see this freaky, athletic, young lineup go out there and play ball and learn together. So, yeah, I think you need culture setters. You need older guys to come into the locker room, but I think you can find those on your bench. Uh, if this goes through, if this is two years, $80 million, I think this is an overpay for a guard that is getting older, that has struggled to stay healthy, that has steadily decreased over these past couple seasons. And for me, I just don't really understand it timeline-wise, too. The Rockets are not going to the playoffs next season. I would much prefer Van Vliet go to somewhere where he has a chance at being an impact player on a winning team that can compete for a title. Uh, So, yeah, no, I, I don't really like that one. And I think Dylan Brooks is a player that should be over in China next season. So I, I don't get that one much either. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's a good player. Like, he's he's a good player. Uh, I, I just don't really like the fit in Houston. I feel like you're sort of looking at this too much in terms of how does this help the Rockets win basketball games when it's really not about that. I don't think you hit on the point to me in terms of veteran presences Houston has an obscene amount of cap to spend. Dude, like their entire roster is on rookie contracts. And their oldest player under contract right now is Jay Sean Tate, who just finished his third year in the league and has only ever played for the mightily struggling Houston Rockets. So they do need to bring guys like that in. Guys who are competitors, who have been around, who understand how to build good habits. There's no question about that. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to attach up massive dollar value to guys who are just doing that but in Houston it really doesn't matter they have to spend the money so they might as well spend it on that my only concern with this because it's only a two-year deal I would not expect a second contract here I think after Fred has floated the ship a bit and maybe showed the ropes to the young fellas he'll be sent on his way and I don't think that there's really a market for him because the only teams with cap this year pretty much are the worst teams in the league. And it seems that 
Maybe he could go back to Toronto. They're reportedly offering him a three-year deal worth like 90 million, so lower per year value, but slightly larger total value. I don't know that that makes sense for them. Like clearly things are not working as currently constructed in Toronto. I just want to see Amen Thompson really get a go as the primary ball handler and KPJ is already competing for those touches. Now Van Vliet, I think, relegates Amen to more of an off-ball role, which is okay. His athleticism allows him to do a lot of work in transition and do some stuff as a cutter, but he is meant to be running volume pick and roll, I think, and trying to figure out, okay, can I establish the sort of floater game that is going to keep defenses honest? Can I build myself up as a spot-up shooter for stylistic versatility? Sure, but also as a pull-up shooter to unlock my ultimate ceiling as an offensive engine. That's what I want to see. And you don't need to throw him right into the fire in this sort of chaotic Houston environment where they have all these young guys, a lot of whom are just focused on getting their own but I do think he should have the keys to the ship here because that's how he's going to learn by actually going out there and doing it and playing and having those primary ball handling responsibilities. It just helps people continue to refine those skill sets. So that's my issue with it, but it is tough to find a perfect solution in Houston because they're so far away and they do have tons and tons of cap to spend it has to go somewhere and it's a short-term deal as is dylan brooks those are the kind of deals that i would say generally you like to see the really bad teams invest in nothing that is going to tie them up for too long last couple things to touch on here logan is just contending teams trying to retain key pieces the bucks are seeing both brooke lopez and chris milton hit the open market do you think they retain those guys? I think they have to. I mean, if I'm Milwaukee, I am exhausting all of my resources to bring these guys back. You are an older team. You know, I know that's what a lot of people, their big takeaway after the Miami Heat loss was, was, oh, you know, Milwaukee's getting up there in, their, in age. This could be mm-hmm. the end of their title window. I still think when you have a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo that is unquestionably one of the three best players in basketball, your window's always going to be open. And so... I think you reload. Um, it did surprise me that Middleton turned down 40 mil, uh, his player option for this upcoming season, just because that's a pile of money. Uh, and I don't know if Milwaukee wants to bring him back on a longer-term deal. That's my expectation. To me, that's the only reason you turn down that kind of money. And Brooke Lopez also getting up there in age. You know, I know people might point to, like, more athletic, uh, younger bigs that can space the floor. But, like, Brooke's a veteran guy. He knows how to play in this defense. Was a genuine defensive player of the year candidate last year out of that drop coverage blocked so many shots I mean he's imperative to this team but he's also a great fit alongside a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah I I would do everything in my power to bring both of these guys back you go in on this timeline these guys know how to play alongside Giannis um, and they've done it before so uh, yeah I'm doing everything in my power yeah you're gonna go over um, you know the total you're gonna have to pay some luxury tax here uh, whatever. These guys are two of the best free agents on the market, and I would do everything in my power to bring them back because, you know, the Bucks are still the first or uh, second best team out East if they bring these guys back. You know, you take your pick, Boston or Milwaukee. Uh, they're still one or two, and so I think it's uh, – I think they have to bring both of these guys back uh, under any circumstances. It is scary, right, handing out multi-year extensions to almost 32-year-old Chris Middleton and 35-year-old Brooke Lopez when you have 33-year-old Drew Holiday on the roster. And all the while, you are trying to maintain a contending roster around your generational top 25 player of all time already, Giannis Antetokounmpo, in the heart of his prime. But I agree. I think they're just too good. Like, you can think about regression down the line but Brooke Lopez right now is as good as he has really ever been he is thriving defensively he had an incredible season offensively shot the hell out of the ball in that Miami series just in a couple of games absolutely obliterated them going small still has that mismatch attacking ability out of the post and with Middleton the thing is really just availability was hurt for the playoff run last year and was hurt for a majority of this season 
But when it came down to it in that series against the Heat when he was healthy, I thought he was by far their second best player offensively. Overall in that series, dropped 24-6-6 on over 40% from deep. And I think is still a vital secondary creator and a legitimate high-end shot maker and is just better than Drew in terms of consistent half-court offensive production. So I do still feel like the fully healthy Bucks, with hopefully a new coach who has more purpose offensively and maybe is more malleable, more willing to adjust coverages defensively when needed, they could win the title. And... I just don't really see the opportunities for improvement that it involve letting those guys walk or any sort of immediate sign and trade. It's just like, who are you bringing back that is of equal value? I don't think there is anybody. So I think they have to bring him back. And then last guy is Draymond Green, Logan, who obviously turned down his player option. Do you think he goes back to the dubs or do you think he goes somewhere else? I think he goes back to Golden State. I think the Chris Paul deal was almost like an incentive for, for Draymond, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're reestablishing this commitment to this core and to you guys. Uh, that being said, I mean, I really think Draymond works anywhere. Like, I want to see him go back to Golden State. I want him to be a lifer for the dubs. But I don't know, man. Thinking about him with, like, L.A. and the defensive ceiling they could reach is really intriguing, too. There's some spacing issues there. But you're pairing up the two best defensive players on the planet, and that— really intrigues me like Draymond and AD uh, with LeBron with Hachimura with Vanderbilt I think there's there's some offensive, are you saying uh, like prioritize him over Reeves uh probably not over Reeves I think he's more important just because you're at such a lack of impact creators but uh maybe over Hachimura or something like that I don't know man Draymond's still a very intriguing asset like I think Portland will probably offer him as well if they can make it work but I think at the end of the day, I, I think he's going to go back to Golden State because that's just where it's just where Draymond's maximized. Like, I think he works in any other situation. But peak Draymond is always alongside uh, the, one of the greatest offensive players of all time in Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters uh, of all time in Klay Thompson. It just works. And uh, again, I think the Chris Paul move was to, to reestablish and to reinforce. We're in on this timeline. We want to win now. And we want to do it with you. So uh, I would... I would bring back Draymond if I was Golden State, and I think that's probably where he ends up going. I definitely think he ends up back with the dubs, and I don't think that he works, at least not nearly as well, everywhere. I think that there are spots where lack of spacing, uh, he can become a guy who congests things for you, and sure, the Warriors have been able to play him alongside a non-shooting five in Kevon Looney. That's because they have the greatest shooting backcourt ever. I think there are places where his playmaking value isn't unlocked quite as much if there's not a dynamic guard to pair him with so he can be that great short roller. If you don't have the kind of off-ball weapons like Steph and Clay, where he can initiate a lot of those actions and run handoffs at a high volume, I just think he's perfect in Golden State, and I think he remains absolutely vital to everything that they do. They were 13 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor this year. In the season before their title year, they were completely dominant when he was on the floor, and then they totally fell off a cliff defensively in the stretch when he was hurt. And honestly, if that hadn't happened, then maybe they would have been the title favorites because I viewed them as the title favorites, and then both he and Steph got hurt, and so they regressed on both ends of the floor. But Draymond is essential to the Warriors being a contender, in my opinion. I think they know that. I agree with you on the CP3 trade being a commitment to trying to win now. Obviously, he and Poole have had his issues. I think it would be a shame to see him go anywhere else. I don't think his value would be maximized as much. And I think that the Warriors would really suffer if he left. And right now, the teams that are being rumored as the strongest contenders are like the Kings and the Pistons. I just think... No, that doesn't make sense. Sure, those teams have cap to offer. Yeah, he could play some sort of veteran mentor role in his hometown state for the Pistons. I don't think that's what he wants. I think the dude wants to win championships, and I think that the Warriors still offer him the best chance to do that. So there you have it, guys. We'll see how this whole show gets started tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun, maybe not quite as wild 
as the average NBA free agency, but nevertheless, Harden, Kyrie, the Dame conversations, there's going to be a ton to get into. And of course, how all these contending teams just bolster their supporting cast. So we'll be back on Saturday, giving all of our reactions to the first day of free agency. If you enjoyed this show, the good news is there's plenty more like it. You can find us on the volume YouTube page. If you're watching there right now, if you enjoyed, please subscribe. Stay tuned in for all of our content. You can listen to our show across all audio platforms. We just did a really fun episode yesterday with Matt Sponauer and Theo Ash of the Stay Hot podcast. Went head-to-head with some trivia. That was great. You can check that out. You can follow us across social media, Instagram and TikTok at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh, and you can buy our merch. You see we both have the NerdSesh flags behind us. Here's a look at a Nerd Sesh hat. Super cool stuff, hoodies, shirts. That is all on the Volume store. So you can check us out in all those places. And with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I have been Carson Brever. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.